Hello and welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manuel Galarza. In today's episode, we're going over the full card breakdown for PFL number six, which is coming up this Friday evening, 6 o'clock p.m. start time. The main event features Harrison versus Dandios. We'll give you all of our betting tips, any advice to help you get some winning tickets, our favorites to win-lose, any prop bets that might pop up to us, and hopefully we're going to help you get into the winning lane, right? We'll jump right in here to the first fight of the night, which is a prelim bout between Clitson Abreu, a heavyweight bout, Clinton Abreu versus Jamel Jones. So coming into this fight right here, Jamel Jones, just some basics about him. He's 11-6, and 4-1 in his last five fights. He's fighting out of Spokane, Washington, 33 years old, 6-foot, 74-inch reach. As for Clinton Abreu, he's 15-4 and four from Brazil, and he's 28 years old, 6-foot with a 74-inch reach. You know, at first glance of this fight, I thought, well, Jamel Jones has got some, you know, he's, forgive me for saying so, I'll tend to... Uh, fade a little support to I'm sorry not fade but but a little more support for the athletic guys you know I feel like Jamel Jones is a pretty athletic dude and I thought that would be the advantage he would have here over Abreu but once you start going a little bit deeper into looking at the numbers and seeing who they fought um, you start realizing Abreu's got a little more experience um, he has been pretty decent in his last few fights I feel like Jones has one avenue for victory and that's hurt you with a big shot He's a former contender series guy, and I went back and looked at that contender series fight. Uh, that was not good. Uh, he was tired a minute into the fight. Um, so he's one of those guys. He'll come out super, you know, he's built, man. He looks like a, a model, right? He's got this beautiful body, big chest. Clearly, he's got some power behind that, you'd think. But after a minute and a half of the first round, if you survive that, then it's no man's land for him. He gets tired. He looked really bad in that fight. He just gassed out, and eventually ends up getting, you know, KO'd, and it was ugly. I got to see more from him, you know, at only 11 and 6, you know, hasn't fought a lot, hasn't been super duper active. I feel like Abreu, the Brazilian fighter, just has enough experience. I mean, they had the same amount of fighting experience, so it's not like he's got a lot more fights. I just feel like, well, I don't feel like, I know his fighting record, who he has actually been in the ring with, is significantly different from who Jamel Jones has been in the ring with. So, yeah, I'm going to keep this pretty simple. We're going to open the card up here by supporting the slight favorite here. Abreu is minus 175, so we're on Abreu to win the fight. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next fight on the card, which is going to be a another prelim fight, of course. That's Caitlin Young versus Mariana Morayas. And so this one here is another close one on the uh, on the odds. According to the odds, it's minus 200 favorite for, for Young over Marias. And I guess that's warranted. When you look closely here, the only thing that Marias has going for her, <laughs> I shouldn't say the only thing. I mean, she's a, she's a UFC fighter, right? You know, she should be proud of herself. But the one thing that she, I could see that she has going for her when you look at that 16 and 11 record, which is almost 500, right? She's fought a lot of people. You know, she's fought, I mean, I mean, good people. Like she's been in there with some athletes that you could recognize. She's been in there. She lost to Norma Dumont via decision, okay? You know, she lost to Vanessa Porto. She's lost to Ariana Lipsky. So she lost to Carol Rosa, um, Roxanne Mataferi, you know, when you look at the list of Jennifer Maya. So she has been in the ring with some good girls that are very talented, some that, you know, hovering around the top of the division at times. But she loses to every single one of them. And I think that's important to remember when you see people break down fights or you hear people break down fights and they say, oh, well, hey, this guy's got some losses, but they're not that bad. I think we all know what that means. That's like code for like, well, you know, he didn't get destroyed. Like he hung in there. He was respectable. Like that can be over like hype. That can be overinflated. In this situation here, I think it's exactly what it says it is on the record. She loses whenever she steps up against better competition. Lara Procopia, loss of decision to her. 
So anytime she takes a, takes a step up in competition, she just doesn't seem to get the job done. We know her. So if you think of what I'm saying, we know what to expect from her. We know what she's going to do. She's going to beat lower-level opponents, but when she takes a step up, she has a problem. Is Caitlin Young the step up? Um, yeah, that's that's definitely to be debated, and I guess we won't know until after the fight, right? She's 12-10-1. It's not like she's got an amazing record. She's coming in here, really has no distinguishable wins on her record. And she's another one. Like, she took a step up to fight Leslie Smith, lost. Liz Carmarucho, Liz Camucho, lost. Lauren Murphy, lost. Raquel Canuto, lost. So, you know, anytime she steps up her, her game a little bit, Jennifer Tate, lost. You know, so she has no wins in her record that are substantial that really pop out to you. Now, she is coming off of two wins in a row versus Latoya Walker and Cindy Dondios, but... You know, just she hasn't done anything to pop out and tell, tell me, hey, you're the person who's going to be a better fighter in this fight. Now, all that said, she's 35. Okay, Marias, believe it or not, this is going to shock you. Marias is only 26 years old. You're like, what? Yeah, she's fought all those people, and she's only 26. It's like, damn, they were just throwing her in there like a like a just a sack of meat. Lipsky, Porto, Procopio, <laughs> like Dumont. I mean, she fought Dumont in 2018. She was, what, 24 then? Like, oh, Jesus. So, yeah, she's had a little bit of a rough go of it. Um, her last fight, she fought Kayla Harrison. <laughs> it's like, my God. And, of course, Kayla Harrison pounded her into the ground like a hammer, putting a nail into wood. So, yeah, they haven't really been feeding her um, winnable uh, matches, so it's been tough for her. But, anyway, I... I'm going to say that from everything I've seen, I think Caitlyn has just enough here to use a smart fighting style, you know, get get Marias to the ground, secure points. Now, I'll tell you this. When it comes to betting, and especially as it's PFL and Bellator, there's a good chance I do not bet this fight at all. And I simply say I think Young's going to win, and that's it. So consider that. Um, and I will say the numbers for PFL, the odds, it just came out like two, three hours ago. I was waiting to do this video but I was waiting for the numbers to come out, and they came out on bestfightodds.com. If you're not on bestfightodds.com, take a glance at that website. I've got no skin in the game. I don't own it. I don't know the people who operate it, but they do have the odds there for all kind of scenarios for MMA. I was wet behind the ears just like you when I didn't know of it and I didn't hear of it, and then when I heard of it, I jumped all over it. Bestfightodds.com. They tend to have the odds before anyone else. Like right now, they have the odds from BetGM, and that's the only... Yeah, I think BetGM is the only group that's actually publishing odds right now in the PFL fight. So anyway, if you're waiting like on DraftKings or FanDuel to get the odds out, to do your betting, you can get them sooner uh, just to get a glance at bestfightodds.com. So that's the fight I'm using here to go over the odds that are for this event. So whatever I'm giving you, that could change a little bit. So, you know, Young is minus 200 here. Marias is plus 170. You know, so what you have on the screen could be adjusted along with the, the order, right? So we have whatever order we have today of the fights. Please don't chop my head off here in a few days in the comment section if the order is just totally jumbled up and different because it seems to happen. I just want to make sure we get our stuff out to you guys as soon as possible. So, all right, let's move on here to the next fight on the prelims, and that's going to be about between Taylor Guardado and Laura Sanchez. So another women's bout, back-to-back -back women's bout. And just a little information here on the fighters. Uh, Laura Guardado has fought a whopping one win, one loss, two fights. That's it. Two fights for Taylor Guardado, and Laura Sanchez is holding her beer and saying, I fought two fights, and I'm one and one too. So here we go with two one and one ladies coming in here to fight a lightweight bout at 155 pounds. Some basic information about Taylor. She's from the United States, out of Las Vegas, 29 years old, 5'6", six, 68-inch reach. 
Sanchez hails out of Wisconsin, the United States. 30 years old, 6 feet, 72-inch reach. And so, I mean, how much time can you spend on this? They've fought two fights total. I did go ahead and have a chance to take a peek at what they've done. Um, yeah, it's not, not, too, not, too, uh, not too impressive. But I will say this. The one thing that I did like about Guardado is she's aggressive. Like, she's pushing pace. And I learned that from my buddy Manpreet. Uh, Manpreet over at MMA Lock of the Night. He, when I first started following handicappers and stuff he told me look if you're not sure about a fighter or you're on the fence look at the the pace and pressure who's got the advantage there and take that guy that's what we have here i think guardado has the pace and pressure where she's going to push sanchez up against the cage she's going to push the tempo she'll win the fight but it's going to be because of like clinch time you know don't expect like some crazy beautiful knockout it probably goes the distance so here's the first prop we're going to suggest of the night goes the distance and it's going to be super ugly um, but I'm going to favor Guardado to win. I hate to be such a pansy here, but with this lower level women's MMA prelim, and I saw Bellator PFL the last few events, like you can get a little burned here betting these fights. It's just not enough information to go off. So if you're going to bet because you just want some skin in the game, do something small. I don't see a reason to go dog or pass here because I have no reason to believe that uh, Sanchez will win. And the same thing goes for the, the prior fight with Young and Marias. I have no reason to believe that Marias will win. Now, if you just want to go dog central, and open the card up with like Jones, Marias, and Sanchez. Hey, more power to you because I don't have enough information to tell you that you're wrong. All right. So, but in this situation here, whatever information we do have, whatever film I have looked at, Sanchez, the biggest knock on her, as I just said, pace and pressure is the reason why I do like um, Guardado. I don't like that Sanchez is a, is a backup, fight off my heels type of fighter. That's just never a good look, especially when you're going to face a close fight. So, all right, let's move on here up the prelims to our next bout. And uh, this, too, was also a kind of like a late addition. Renan Ferreira versus Stuart Austin. And so some basic, basic, basic information here about Ferreira. He's from Brazil, and he's 31 years old, six foot eight with an 85-inch reach. That dude is huge. Think about that, six foot eight, 85-inch reach. And he's facing off against Stuart Austin, who's hailing from England. 15 and 6, 32 years old, 6 foot 3 with a 77 inch reach. And so, all right, this one right here was pretty easy. And I'm a little surprised that Ferreira is opening up a minus 225. I think he should be like a minus 300 or more. I don't think Austin has a chance in this fight. Ferreira is a little bit of a late bloomer from the standpoint that, you know, he's an older guy for the, for the record he has, right? 31 years old, but he's only 6 and 2. <laughs> you know, whereas. Stuart Austin is 32 years old, but he's 15 and 6. So Ferreira kind of got a late start here in pro MMA fighting. But what you have seen from him is pretty nice. Um, saw some of his recent fights. A lot of power. Like what you see from him. Good striker. Athletic on his feet. Austin, on the other hand, you know, I just, I, I was so underwhelmed with watching, number one, who he was fighting because low-level opponents. And number two, it just, you know, I mean, if you watch the the one fight with he was fighting against um, yeah Walker in 2018, man, he just gets real dropped like suitcase style, gets folded up. Um, since that fight, he is three and one, so you know he has kind of rebounded. But I don't think Austin is anywhere the same level as Ferreira. And this plus 180 for Austin, there's no value there. The minus one, the minus two two five for Ferreira, there is value there. I would parlay Ferreira. I would bet Ferreira straight up. Don't go too crazy. It's minus 225. Like, don't go putting three units or more. Maybe two units, though, on Ferreira straight up and then parlaying him 
is what I would do. Um, I just don't think that Austin and I, you know, no disrespect to Austin, especially if you like him and you're on the guy, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it. I see that that 85 inch reach, <laughs> which is a seven inch reach advantage for Ferreira is going to be a problem. I think a six foot eight, the five inch height advantage for Ferreira is going to be a problem for Austin. I think the physicality of Ferreira is going to be a problem for Austin. And I'll say one more thing. Some guys, when they get, when things don't go their way in the round or in the fight, they'll adjust and they may have a good poker face. And, you know, you, the guys who you hit them solid, but they're like, oh, you didn't really hit me. You know, that's not Austin. Austin's the kind of guy where when you do hit him, he's like, oh, shit, I just got hit. Uh. So he shows the wear and tear, not just the blood or whatever. I'm just saying the look on his face is the look of someone who's intimidated, who's scared, who's going to back up, you know. Um, I see that with him. I saw it in some of his fights. I think he goes in there with this guy, Ferreira. He gets tagged once, and he's like, holy shit, I'm fighting this dude who's six foot eight from Brazil. I just want to get back to England. So, yeah, I'm on Ferreira, if you can't tell here, pretty pretty high on Ferreira. Uh, I'll say that of all the fights we've gone over so far, that would be the highest on my list of, of favorite picks. Um, but I got some other ones that I like a lot, too. So let's move on up here, the card, to another women's bout. We've got a lot of women's bouts here on this card. That's going to be Janae Fabian versus Julia, Julija Pajic. All right. So that's a little bit of a tongue twister, right? So we've got Fabian fighting out of New Zealand, and she's going up against Pajic, who's fighting out of Montenegro. Now, I'll tell you, look, I'm a little biased on these, on the girls that I think are pretty. Let me put it that way, because I don't want to say the pretty girls, because I've had people say, oh, that girl looks like a man, and, and that girl looks like a dyke, and they start questioning, you know, What's your taste? Look, everyone's got a different taste in women. I got a buddy who loves Asian women. I got a buddy who freaking loves Indian women. I've got buddies who just, you know, they have certain preferences. Me, always grew up with the mantra of like, I love them all. I do. I love them all. Well, Julija has that look for me, man. She's a cute girl. Um, her tattoo is wicked. She's got this big neck tattoo. It's so awesome. Um, yeah, she's just like this roughneck, and she's got a cute, fa cute factor for, you know, for UFC. Um, Fabian is no joke either. I love her profile pic, as you can see. Like, she looks like she took some time there to get a nice photo. She's a pretty-looking girl. Um, again, out of New Zealand, 31 years old, fighting against Pajic, who's only 23. And that's another thing. So Pajic's only 23 years old, which is a big part of the problem I'm going to talk about here. They're both six feet. Like, that's interesting. They're pretty tall. Pretty tall girls here, right? So both six foot, 74-inch reach for Fabian, and a 70-inch reach here for Pajic. So... I watched Pajic fight recently. If you don't remember, she fought not too long ago. And I was kind of like, I was excited to see her fight. I was looking forward to it. You know, I went through the tapology. I did the Instagram stalking. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, cute girl, Montenegro, you know, foreign girl, you know, got this thing going. I mean, I wish all the girls fighting MMA look great in Venom shorts and just look good to look at, right? Why not? If you're going to watch them fight, might as well be good to look at, right? So I'm like kind of rooting for her last fight. And she just went out there and did nothing. <laughs> She did nothing. She looked so outclassed. She looked like she had no business in the UFC or any MMA situation. I was so disappointed. Larissa, pa Larissa Pacheco just destroyed her. And I'm talking about a round one, ground and pound, totally not not in the same class, didn't belong in there. And so that was my first impression of Pajic. It wasn't good. And that fight, mind you, happened in May. Okay. This is, it's June, right? I'm not crazy. It's June. So last month, Larissa Pacheco just gets completely swept out of the damn ring in the first round, okay? I'm sorry, Larissa Pacheco sweeps Julia Pacheco out of the first round, okay, in a lower-level type of fight. So 
I don't know how in the world you could possibly rationalize why you would support her coming in here. I think just because of what I saw in that last fight and she was completely outclassed, dare I say she's only getting these shots because she's got a nice neck tattoo and she's good to look at? It could be. It could be. So don't be surprised if this Friday night, Janae Fabian comes in here and just completely sweeps the floor with Pajic and finishes it in first round as well. So, yeah, I'm on Pajic to win the fight. I think that, you know, here's somebody who's just maybe a little more – using the word serious is not fair to Pajic, but just more developed into her path to being a fighter. Like, she's more along that path, you know. And granted, Fabian is only 3-1, and one and, and, and Pajic is only 3-1, and one too. They've only fought eight total fights combined. You just get this feeling that, that Fabian is more on the track. I did watch some of her stuff. I like what I saw from her on film. Um, you know, she pushes the pace. You know, you got to like that. And and with, with Padgett, she's going to get on her heels like she did her last fight against, you know, um, against Walker. She's going to get back on her heels, not get comfortable. And Fabian's going to just go go for the juggler, you know. So I spent too much time in this fight. I'm sorry. But I'm on Fabian, and I'm on Fabian as one of my favorite picks of the night in terms of straight-up pick. Like like her a lot. So let's move on up here to the next fight in the prelims. And that's Ante Delizia versus Chandler Cole. Boy, I like Delizia here on this spot. I like Delizia straight up to, to win, and um, the minus 400 is the only problem, okay? So when you look at the particulars of these two fighters, um, you can't tell right away. No big differences pop out to you, you know, so sim- you know, similar size. Actually, no, back up. Oh, my bad. Six foot five for Delizia versus five foot ten for Cole. Huge size discrepancy there. 79-inch reach for Delizia and a 74-inch reach for Cole. Another discrepancy there. I don't think that's where the fight gets won or lost. I think the Croatian fighter, Delizia, is very active and agile for six foot five. You watch him fight, the dude can move around. He's like a cat. He's a pretty big guy, but he can move. So, um, so he's not like this heavy heavyweight. They're like overweight and like, you know, big bellies and stuff. That would be Chandler Cole. <laughs> Chandler Cole is built like a shorter heavyweight that looks out of shape, like the Martinez situation last weekend. Um, yeah, just not not great to look at. He's a decent fighter. He came off of a nice win his last fight. You know, he really hammered a guy in the first round and got him out of there. But I think Delizia just got the athletic ability, can come in and out. I think he'll get Cole to the ground um, and, and make a mess of it on the ground and maybe give Cole, like, you know, a good round, at least a round of just on the ground, grinding him up, beating him up. But Delizia's just too much for Cole. I think at 30 years old, he's still very much in his prime. Not sure where he goes. You know, I'm not sure the long term from him. I just haven't seen enough from him to know. But for this heavyweight fight, if he takes it into the late second or third round, he's going to have a big cardio advantage over Cole. He's going to have a huge quickness advantage over Cole. So, yeah, I'm on De- I'm on Delisha to win the fight. In terms of how you bet it, you can't. Um, unless you've got a feel for Cole, like, hey, he comes in here. And it's heavyweights, right? So he just rocks him with a hard punch. But I, didn't, I haven't seen that from Cole. He's only fought 10 fights, just haven't seen him show the power in his game to be able to come in here and, and disrupt Delizia. So, again, the only issue is minus 400. So what do you do with minus 400? That's a little bit tough. It kind of leaves you in that quandary. So I think right here I'm picking Delizia to win, but I'm not going to bet in the fight. I'm not going to parlay it. I'm not going to parlay it either. So those who say, oh, no, it's a parlay piece, you know, like I don't do the minus 400 for parlay pieces. I, there is some value there, but, boy, you're digging for the value. Right? And then when your parlay fractures all apart because this part didn't go down the right way, this leg fails on you, you just really get that horrible feeling in your stomach of, like, why was I putting that piece in here? Couldn't I have found some baseball game or a basketball game with the minus 200 where I could have felt better and done that? 
So yeah, that's why we're going to have to leave this alone, but I'm picking Delicia to win. All right, so let's move on here to the co-main event of the prelims, that is. And the co-main event of the prelims is going to be another women's bout. Larissa Pacheco versus Helena Koles Koles Kolesnik. So just looking at Helena Kolesnik and you look at her profile picture, cute little blonde from Ukraine. Shout out to all my Ukrainian cousins. Um, I probably told you before, my wife is Russian slash Latvian, grew up in Latvia, but she was born in Russia. Her whole family's Russia. So I've always got favoritism towards those Eastern Bloc fighters, European, you're, you know, Ukrainian. I guess my bias goes all the way till you get to about the Asian border, okay? Or not the Asian border, but the border from the Asian countries, okay? So yeah, I got all that off my chest, and that's the only positive thing that I could tell you about Kolesnik. Otherwise, uh, besides the pretty face and the Ukrainian roots, there's no reason here that she's going to win. She did fight Taylor Guardado, who I mentioned earlier, and she lost a decision. It wasn't even close. Taylor pushed the pace, pushed her against the fence. She's lost recently to Pam Sorensen, to Felicia Spencer. So those are her last three losses. She hasn't won a fight since 2017. So, and that fight was against Tatiana Portnova. So who was that? I don't know. That was Tech Crep FC. So long story short, um, here's a girl who's never had a PFL win, never had obviously a UFC win, never a Bellator win. And coming off of three straight losses, and she's going to run into the buzzsaw here of uh, Pacheco. Pacheco might have to test this girl. <laughs> she's, you know, she's like Harrison, just very, very, very built and tough and strong as hell. She's going to come in here and destroy Helena. If you want to look at a prop bet scenario, this does not go the distance. I don't think Helena's going to be able to survive three full rounds with Pacheco. Pacheco probably gets her on the ground, mounts her. And just grinds her up and pounds her. And it's more of a TKO finish, but it's more of just a, a cardio issue. And and um, and Helena's not going to be able to take the punishment, you know, for that period of time. So I'm on Pacheco to win. When you look at the actual numbers here, uh, the betting numbers, I thought, my gosh, this was a, probably a little bit too much. But then you kind of re rewind what I just said. Like, there's no way that Kolesnik can win this fight. Like, it's not like she has KO power or a great submission game or coming off of a, of a really important fight where she got a draw or she got a win or there's no reason. So, you know, from a match-up standpoint, this kind of sucks for PFL. They do this every week where you get these, like, huge, huge differences. And Pacheco at minus 550, she's going to win. Uh, you know, shy of betting the house, like, this is it, man. She's going to win. So I choose her to win. It's one of my favorite spots to win. And I had that as a, as a person I was going to definitely bet on for this card. And then when I went to bestfightodds.com and I saw the numbers, I said, oh, there goes that. I can't bet on that fight. Minus 550. It's just it's a wash. So, I mean, again, for those who don't mind parlaying the really higher end, like, favorites like that, I guess you parlay Delisia minus 400 with Pacheco at minus 550. You know, Ferreira, minus 225. Um, those would be all good spots of the prelim. Fabian, minus 275. I don't know what that works out to, but, like, if you parlay those four pieces – you're probably winning, whatever that is. Um, but I just don't like the minus 400 to minus 550s. I, I feel like I'm being lazy at that point. I'm not really doing my work to get a good parlay when I'm taking these kind of big favorites. So, all right, let's go on to the main event of the prelims, all right? This will be the last fight in the prelim card. Now it's going to feature our buddy here, Capaloza versus Mo Doris. And, man, Bruno, Bruno Capaloza... He's, he's not a world beater, you know, but he's 4-1 coming in here in his last five fights. 11-5 overall. He's from, you know it, Brazil. And he's 32 years old, 6'2", 79-inch reach. Mo Doris, oh, man, this guy's so underwhelming of a fighter. He's 2-3 in his last five fights, 8-3 overall. So 
yeah, he got off to a neat, decent start, and then he just started dropping fights, right? So he's 33 years old, only fought 11 fights, getting a late start here in his career. He's six foot with a 76-inch reach. Looking back at just, let's look at the last fight um, that both of these guys took part in here. And um, when you look at Darius, um, he fought Galstoff in his last bout. He literally gets, like, stretched out on his face. Dude has both hooks in. Dude, Golstoff is just landing shots, and Darius is just giving up, has nothing for it, did terrible on the ground, had no ground defense. And just looked, I mean, look, Golstoff is a decent fighter. He's okay, you know. Um, but, man, to get, like, just whipped, you know, from pole to pillar, just got whipped the entire time in there, didn't show anything good, didn't show anything that would give me, like, some promise that, hey, this guy's, you know, he's got this skill set. He can, like, just looked bad. And, you know, quite honestly, I expect him to look bad again. Um, on Friday night. I don't expect much of a difference. I think there's a... I mean, he's lost three of his last four fights, and that's not everything. It doesn't mean everything, but it's an indicator. When you're losing three of your last four fights and you're in the PFL, I'm not downgrading the PFL. I'm just like, this is not top-level competition. Losing to Jared Rosholt, losing to Kelvin Tiller, losing his last fight to Dennis Galstoff. Like, you know, like he doesn't have anyone notable on his record that he's beaten or fought, but he does have some losses, right? So that's him. As for Capaloza, you know, the only thing I could say on him, he's 11 and 5, right? 11 and 5, okay. But at least, you know, he's 4 and 1 in his last five fights. At least he's winning these lower level fights. So, and his last loss of all the losses you could have when you compare these two fighters, he lost to Yuri Pajaska. Yuri, you know, infamous Yuri that everyone loves now. Now, it was a round one loss wasn't great it was a knockout but look he's been in there with that guy who's now rising high up he's won his other four fights he beat anti uh anti delisia who you know i kind of was talking anti delisia up a little bit earlier and he's gonna win his fight so yeah long story short i think bruno the brazilian comes in here he's just a class away a class or two above mo Doris. i don't think mo's got any chance to win this fight you know in terms of a betting standpoint I think that minus 275 has got some value there. You know, I, I think it could be around minus 300, minus 350 for Kepaloza would be safe. So I like Kepaloza. It's not my favorite individual pick of the night. As a parlay piece, yeah, yeah, that could be good. I wouldn't be surprised for a prop bet if he were to finish the Mo Doris. So that's your prelim for you. We're going to go ahead now and work our way up to the main card. Okay, we're on to the main card. The first fight of the main card features Russia's Dennis Golstov versus the American Brandon Silas. Some details about Celis. He's six and one, hasn't fought a lot, and he's 40 years old. So that's kind of weird. Seven fights, 40 years old. Maybe got started a little bit late. What do you think? He's six foot five with a 79 and a half inch reach. Wow, those, those guys are huge, man. Six five. And Dennis is also six five. We got two six fivers here lining up in this match. So about Dennis, he's six five out of St. Petersburg, Russia, 31 years old. He's nine years younger than the 40 year old Brandon Silas, which I think is going to be a factor here. Also has a very long reach with 78 inches. You don't have to be a Brainiac to look at this and just pull up one fight. Pull up their last fight of Dennis and pull up the last fight of Brandon. Brandon Silas is just old. He's 40 years old. I'm, I'm 44 years old, so I can tell you about the 40 club. I know what it's like. It's not like the 40-40 club in Major League Baseball. <laughs> it's not to be celebrated. Like, shit goes downhill, man. In your 40s, your metabolism is done. Your ability to have extra energy is done. The night, the days of staying up late at night and partying and drinking too much and just recovering, it's all gone. <laughs> it's like everything you thought would take time to, to go, like about that 40 years, when you turn 40, <laughs> it 
it's it's not a slow decline. It's like boom. And for Brandon, I could see that decline in the way he fights. You you sort of see that slowness. It's weird because he's only six and one, but he looks like a guy who's been punched in the head a lot by the way he fights. Like he's kind of slow. And that that sounds terrible, so I want to rephrase that. It just seems like he's taking a pounding. I think Dennis Golstov, the Russian, comes in here who's you know, nine years younger, and he's 26 and six. So mind you, he's fought like 32 fights, and Brandon's fought seven, and he's nine years younger. So kind of a gimme. When you look at the odds here, and again, we're using bestfightodds.com for our odds today because no one else has the odds faster than them. And when you look at the odds in these guys, it's like, I'm I'm surprised it's not bigger. Let's put it that way. Like I'm very surprised the odds are not bigger because Golstoff is going to win the fight. Now he's minus 250 favorite, so you have like a, a complete give me here. I'm going to play him. I'll probably put the most units on him of the entire card, which will probably be about three or four units, about 400 bucks on him. I'll parlay him too. Minus 250 is a steal. Brandon Salis is done. He's an old guy. Um, just it's not going to happen. So. It is the opening fight on the main card. I guess it's a heavyweight bout, so that's kind of a way to sort of explain why it's appropriate, but otherwise, it's really not UFC appropriate. I said recently in a recent episode that maybe like in five or ten years from now, UFC, they'll look back at this time and be like, well, we had to build the brand somewhere. We had to put someone out there because these UFC Vegas things, I love them. I'm all about, I want MMA every weekend. So if it's not UFC or Bellator, PFL, like every weekend, the more the merrier. I'm all about it. I love it because personally, I, I do enjoy uh, wagering on those events and I also enjoy talking about them. So I, I invite it. But man, do you see a lot of very middle range fighters in this UFC Vegas stuff. And I mean that with all due respect. I could have used the worst word, but I'm saying middle range, you know, like that kind of stuff. So anyway, I think uh, Goslov gets the win. If it's by decision, that's not good for him. If he wants to actually be a legit prospect, he needs to finish styles or, or sales. And I think he does finish sales. I think he finds a way to just punish the old guy. You know, it's just, yeah. Anyway, let's move on up here to the next fight on the uh, main card. That'll feature Lance Palmer versus Mavlid Kayubalayev. Now, this is a featherweight bout, 145-pound bout. Some basic particulars about Lance Palmer. He's 22-4, and four, very impressive. 4-1 and one in his last five fights, very impressive. He's from America. That's super impressive, you know, USA. He's 34 years old, 5'6", kind of short kind of short and a 69 inch inch reach okay now Mavlid Kayabalaev he's from Russia he's 16 0 and 1 so that's always nice with the O the one tie eh, draw that kind of messes it up but he's still undefeated from the standpoint he never lost he's fighting out of Moscow he's 30 years old he's a little younger he's also a shorty at 5 foot 6 with a 70 inch reach so size wise it's the same guy I'm going to make this short and sweet, and if I'm wrong, unsubscribe, uh, come back, leave a bad comment, don't trust me on my handicapping information or whatever advice, and, and come back and, and just, just trash me. But Mavlid wins the fight. Now, he doesn't win the fight because he's just so good. Lance Palmer, that dude, something happened because he's 22-4, and four, so I, I get that he's got a good record. He's also got that, like, you know, 
Baywatch face and body. Like, you know, um, I can't remember the swimmer from that movie Baywatch. Remember that movie Baywatch when the swimmer dude, whatever his name was, when he's at the gold medals and stuff, and then he got like thrown out of the Olympics or he threw in the, he threw up in the pool, whatever the storyline was, this dude really reminds me of him. And it's not just because of the looks, the looks kind of help, but that last fight versus Bubba Jenkins. And I'm going to really, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I'm about here on this, on this breakdown. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Puerto Rican. I've been around the block. I'm telling you right now that Lance Palmer was scared of Bubba Jenkins. He was flat out intimidated. He looked scared from the rip. He couldn't get any strategy going, and Bubba just overpowered him, grabbed him. And Bubba Jenkins is an okay fighter. He's not like the best in the world. He's an okay fighter. He's got this whole swag about him that I don't have to train. I can just show up to fights. And and we talked about that before in the other episode. Like he just wants to show up and like I don't have to train. I can just come off the couch and like. Yeah, he came off the couch there. He just totally intimidated Lance Palmer. Lance Palmer looked soft, man. He looked soft. He looked like he was a guy who had a life insurance policy and didn't want to cash it. Like, it's just how it looked. He looked scared. And I came away watching film on him and thinking to myself, like, what's going on here? Did he just sign, like, a modeling contract? It doesn't want to get hurt. He's just soft looking. Russians are not soft. No. Russians are like brick, man. They're well, actually, brick's not that hard because you can break it apart. They're just like steel. Russians are very, very tough. Everything you ever heard about a Russian, okay? All the, all the, like, let's say the, um, the assumptions about how they are. The one thing that I know that they are, they're freaking tough people. They're durable, okay? In fight terms, that means not easy to knock out, won't quit. Uh, gonna wrestle fuck you to the to the ground they're gonna they're gonna grind it up grease all over the place like you're not coming out of there feeling great after wrestling a russian or fighting a russian because like they're gonna give you everything they're not all gonna win but just go back to khabib Nurmagomedov. like they all basically sort of derive from that just tough as nails gonna give you a problem and in this fight against a guy like Lance Palmer, who I just saw him be soft, like I just saw him be the white guy who went to a pickup basketball game on the edge of the neighborhood and be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable because I don't want to body check a black dude and maybe get into a fight. That's what I saw from Lance Palmer. I'm just saying. I've been there. Like if you want to have me come play pickup ball in the hood right now, like right now, any place in the damn world, I don't really care where I'm going. I'm playing my game. And if you don't like me and you want to, like, talk shit on the court, we could do all that, too. Like, I'm out there to compete. I'm a, I'm a guard mine. I'm a defend mine. Lance Palmer is not about that life. And it's weird because he's 22 and 4. Like, he has a lot of dubs. And you're looking at this guy thinking, like, he's, you know, that's – if you just look at the record, like, 22 and 4 versus 16 and 0, like, okay, like, it's going to be a good fight. It's not going to be close. Mavlid's going to dominate the fight. And I remember I said it because I want this to be on the record. Like Jalen Rose says from uh, from his awesome show on ESPN, like, I want this shit on wax. So you know I said it. Okay? You have a steal here with Lance, with Lance Palmer, okay, even being close to Kubalayev. I think Kubalayev is going to starch his ass, clean him up. He won't TKO him, but he will grind his ass out for a three-round decision light work 
29-28 to just be fair to Palmer, maybe give him a round, if not 30-27. Palmer's just not about that life, and it's weird because he has a decent record, but and listen, I'll say one more thing too because I don't want people thinking that I don't, I don't like Lance Palmer as a person. It's not about that. He is he is a legitimate fighter in the MMA game. He deserves that respect. There's no question. I'm not questioning like his overall manhood. What I'm saying is when it gets down to the the gritty of it, the down and dirty of it, like let's both get our hands dirty, Lance Palmer is going to fade away from that. That's not what he wants to get involved with. The Russian, he grew up in the dirt, man. This this dude grew up in the poverty. He grew up with it being tough. He grew up with knowing that you have to go above and beyond to be successful. Like that's just how they're built. So that took me way too long to break that fight down, but that is what it is. We're going to move on up here to the co-main event, which is our boy Anthony Pettis versus Raush Manfio. Now, after Pettis's last fight, he lost to Chris Collard and he was the favorite, so it looked bad for him and he lost and he looks scared too. Like at, sometimes in the fight, he kind of looked like Lance Palmer a little bit. Like that look of backing up. You know, I don't want to engage. You know, I, I I never fought an MMA fight. Like I did my own, had my own, had my own quarrels or two, right? Like we all did. But man, the backing up stuff is just not a good look. I get you want to have distance, but like especially when someone's pressuring you, I've often thought like, why not stay in your ground and just like tackle that mother. Like, why not stand your ground and, like, elbow him? It's going to be tight, right? You can't get maybe a full punch because the guy's, like, coming in your face. No homo. The guy's coming at you. Like, he's he's closing the distance, so you can't get a nice, like, striking. You know what I mean? But then just hit that mother. He's coming in tight. Hit that mother with an elbow. Let him know this fence here is a wall. We ain't coming through this. Like, stop. Hold your ground. And if you can't hit that elbow and stop him, if you can hit a nice knee, into the midsection, then tackle that mother and bring him to the ground. But this idea of like running and dropping back and constantly backing up or guys who want to circle the cage in the third round and the third round thing, they won the fight and they end up losing. Like what a loser move. Like that's the ultimate L you think you won the fight. So you're going to want to circle the round and round three and you end up losing. It's like, you're, you're just two L's man. You get two L's on your record for that. So, Got off the subject matter. <laughs> so we're back to Anthony Pettis and Mafio. This was a gimme for Pettis. You know, when I watch Roush Mafio fight, and I'm just trying to be polite here, I just get the impression that he is very reactive and not a. It's crazy. He's four and one in his last five fights. You know, um, you can't say anything super bad about him. He, he's he's a, you know. A nice fighter, you know. But here he's the shorter fighter. And Pettis is usually never shorter. He's usually the shorter fighter himself. So he's like, you know, this is a nice fight for Pettis. I think it's a bit of a bounce back for Pettis. You know, Pettis came in here all hyped up on PFL. Like one of the most celebrated guys they recently signed. And what ends up happening is he gets completely outclassed by by Collard last fight. He didn't get hurt, but man, Pettis looked like he didn't want none of that. He was backing up, backing up, backing up. With this fight here, it's not like Roush Manfio is going to back up Pettis and, like, hurt him. Like, Manfio doesn't have a lot of power. The best thing he has going for him is he's from Brazil. Like, he's from Brazil. He's 12-3, 4-1 in his last five fights. I I just – I'm going to put it this way. 
it's not good to ever bet or wager or take advice to bet on any kind of fights based upon just, let's say, quote unquote, feeling. But in terms of what I feel, what I see, what I think, like his stand-up game, Manfio, is um, it's slow. And he doesn't pressure the pace. Like even if he needs to win and he needs to pressure pace, he won't do that. So I think the slightly bigger fighter, which Pettis for him, he's never really the bigger fighter. He's usually the smaller, like in terms of height. He's not usually the taller fighter. He'll, he'll be bigger. And I think with his experience, I even think from the PFL, like let's say this gets close. I'm, I'm going to do a whole pick him, pick him, early pick him here on this one. This fight goes to a greasy decision, right? And maybe Manfio did enough to win. And the judges are like, no, nah, give it to Pettis because he is the he's one of their poster kids. Like, think about who they want to celebrate more in PFL, who they want to prop up. Pettis is only 34. So if you're PFL, you could sort of drag this guy through promotions for at least another four to five years, right? Which is weird because you think Pettis would be older. But at 34 years old, you could have another four to five years of selling tickets on his name if he can get a decent record maybe even win a championship at somewhere, you know, with PFL, I don't know. With Rosh Mafio, man, I think this is the ceiling for him. This is the best he's going to be. He's 4-1 and one in his last five fights, 12-3 and three coming in. He's going against Pettis. Now, if he beats Pettis, I'm telling you right now, man, that ship would well, already sailed in some ways. He was a UFC guy, right, and he's not a PFL, but, like, it'll really sail. It'll be completely over. It, to the point where I don't almost don't care who Pettis fights next, I would fade him and I would go against him because in this fight here, if he can't win this, he's minus two hundred right now according to Vegas. Yeah, it's over because Mafio, like Mafio, could never fight in the UFC, and Pettis was fighting the UFC for years. So think about it like that way. And if Pettis was like thirty eight or forty, I would say, oh well, he's just so old. But he's not; he's only thirty four. Now he is an old thirty-four. I will, <laughs> I will give you guys that. So if you're listening to this saying, "Well, but he's not like a typical thirty-four-year-old," like yeah, I agree. Like he was in some wars, got beat up. The collared fight kind of showed that. Like, you know, Pettis is not. It's just, it's just not what it's cracked up to be anymore, right? Just, but in this fight here versus a guy who's also just not that good, in my opinion, he gets the edge. He gets the win. Pettis gets back in the W column and. The PFL just keeps selling the Pettis name because if you had to rank all the fighters in PFL, um, you know, in terms of the most popular and who they want to sell tickets around and prop up, he's got to be maybe top three or four at least in the PFL. I talked about this in the Shields fight. I thought Shields, even if, let's say, the the, the, the woman who won, the black girl who was the, the boxer girl who won like last the last event in the finals or the the the, uh, the main event and she like never fought a PFL event or any MMA event which is so weird and just so I I projected that even if the fight does go decision in that fight the judges would have given it to to Shields and it would have been like a weird like people been upset but it would have happened because think about it from a, a money perspective a business perspective the PFL needs Pettis to win the fight so I'm gonna warn everyone right now. And I'm saying this before the fight. Even if Pettis loses the fight in the ring, when it goes to the scorecards, they're going to give it to him. You heard it here first. I'm telling you right now. It's a business in the PFL, especially in the PFL, right? Okay, let's move on to the main event of the night. I hate to tell you this one is maybe the worst fight of the night. 
because there is no way in hell that Cindy Dondios can beat Kayla Harrison. There's just no way. And if you don't believe me, just go Google, do your own research on Cindy Dondios. I did my research. She can't beat a lot of girls in this division. She can't. And if you saw an interview by Kayla Harrison recently that she has on the internet, somewhere circling around there, she talked about how disappointed she was in having this opponent. And if you're like a dog chaser, you're going to be like, oh, man, that means Harrison's not going to be ready. Money's on beyond Dondios. Like, she's a plus 950. There's no – listen, Kayla Harrison could beat Cindy Dondios if Kayla Harrison was drunk, tired, one arm missing. I think she could beat her without one leg. Just – any way you want to put it, she beats Cindy Dondios. I don't know how the rules are set for PFL in terms of how they do their matchups, but this is shit. It's shit. And it's the main event, and it's shit. Kayla Harrison's going to ground and pound Cindy underneath the mat, like grind her to the point where she goes and disappears through the mat in the first round. Harrison is maybe not on steroids, but she is the poster child for if I look like I was doing steroids. That's Kaylee Harrison. She's only 9-0. She hasn't fought anyone, really, of substance. So her day is coming. Her day of reckoning is coming. And she wants it because she talks a lot of shit about how I want this and I want to fight that opponent and I want to, you know, whatever. She'll have her time. And we'll judge her accordingly when she hit that time. But for now, the PFL is giving her boo-boo. This is not a good fight. You can't have somebody coming into a main event at minus 2,000. Like, Really? She's minus 2,000. It's the main event. Like, come on, man. PFL, you got to fix that. I would even have made this like a main card event. Just don't make it the main event. Put Pettis in there. You can't have a main event with somebody being minus 2,000. It just looks terrible. Harrison's 9-0. She's from the United States. New York City girl, 30 years old, 5'8", 65.5-inch reach, which doesn't matter. Okay? Her, she doesn't work on the reach department. She works on just grabbing you and squeaking you to death like a bear and then ending you. Sydney's got a 5-inch reach advantage with 70-inch reach. She's five foot seven, so same height basically. She's from Belgium, and I hope she's getting paid well because she's gonna come in here and just get destroyed in the first round. If you want to do a prop bet for this fight, it does not go the distance. At some point, Kayla finishes her TKO first or second round. It's a terrible fight. I think after the fight is over, they'll bring the microphone over to Harrison to do an interview, and she'll tell you herself how this was shit. And I want a better matchup. And I actually want to fight people that are good. And I think I went out of my contract with PFL. And I think I want to go just to the bigger oceans and fight bigger fish. Because this is crazy. So, yeah, this sucks, man. I I'm not betting the fight at all. So I want to be clear on that. I will not be betting any way she performs in this fight. Minus 2,000. No, I don't want to go fishing on when she ends it. The prop bets are a little bit sketchy when it comes to PFL. Like, meaning when they come out. I use DraftKings as my predominant site for betting for MMA events, and they don't offer a lot of prop bet scenarios for PFL or Bellator. And if they do, it's very last minute. So, unfortunately, I'm going to watch this fight like everyone else. If Don Dios gets an upset and wins, I'll just be like, wow, shocked, amazing, I can't believe it, um, and have no money on it. So I'll be like, damn, I should have put something on it. But I'm not going to do anything with this fight. I'm not springing anything on Don Dios, and I'm definitely not going to go ahead and put money on Harrison. It's minus <laughs> It's 2000. Lord of mercy. All right. Going back through the entire card real quick. Just want to summarize and give you our picks here for PFL number six. We're going with Abreu over Jones. We're going with Young to win over Marias. Guardado over Sanchez. 
Ferreira winning over Austin. Fabian beating Pajic. Uh, Delija beating Cole, but not betting Delija at all. He's minus 400, not betting that fight, but Delija wins over Cole. Pacheco beating Kolesnik, and that's a minus 550. So again, not comfortable betting that situation, but Pacheco wins the fight. The last fight, the prelims, Copalezzo versus versus Mo de Greece, and we've got Copalezzo winning. All right, that brings us to the main card, and we have starting off Glasgow versus Salis. We have Glasgow winning that fight. Uh, Kai Belayev versus Palmer. We like Kai Belayev. Pettis beating Monfio. We like Pettis there beating Monfio. And the last fight of the night is the waste of time. Harrison starching Dondio. So there's your PFL number six. Um, if you want a better fight, just be careful with the ones that are especially low level. Some of the ones we highlighted, like that Delusia that Delegia, Delegia and Cole fight. Um Delegia. 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 I don't know. Don't love that one. Don't love the Harrison fight. I think there's just no value in those fights. You gotta be careful. So you know, pick your choices. If you want to do any parlaying with other events, this week is crazy. You've got like Cage Warriors, you've got PFL, you've got Bellator, and you've got UFC. So Friday and Saturday night are going to be very busy. Friday night has PFL and Bellator, so both events will be sort of competing with each other. But if you're an MMA uh, degenerate like myself and you like to gamble on, on MMA, you're pretty stoked. It's going to be a great weekend. So I hope this helps you guys win. Some tickets, again, bet with caution. We'll be having our full breakdown for Bellator in a separate episode. We'll also have our full breakdown for UFC uh, Vegas 30 as well on a separate episode. So thank you for tuning in. If you're still here listening to this right now, I appreciate you, bro. I see you. I see you. And I appreciate you. Do me one solid. Click the like button. Subscribe. And post this like on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you have your social mediums. We need followers. And the main reason being that I want to go live. I can't go live on YouTube until I hit 1,000 subscribers. This is not a monetary pitch. I don't want any donations. There's no PayPal here. We don't offer a PayPal. We don't offer a Patreon. No, no, no. Help us get to 1,000 subscribers so we can start recording live and putting more content out there. So thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate you very much. Carefully bet PFL number six. It's going to be a roller coaster and wishing the best. Peace out.